namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa uttang dhammang sankang namasami coming back from Thailand a, a kind of obvious realization is that we are these rituals that we have here this gathering on a lunar half lunar quarter is part of a, a great culture that goes back 2600 years and uh, the liturgy we have the icons we have the robes we wear the choreography between monastics and lay people all of that is a kind of very fortunate part of our our buddhist life because it gives us a kind of social vehicle within which we can travel together and do the work of enlightenment when you think back to the time of the buddha the fact that the buddha lived to be 80 was you know that's probably quite extraordinary and i wonder what the real average age of a man would be in those days maybe 40 or something I'm told, I read in the iron in the bronze age is about 4000 years ago the average age of a man was 25 so most teenagers were already had a lot of responsibility a whole different concept of society so in the time of the buddha would have been a lot of um, child Uh, women would bite and die in childbirth and all kinds of diseases and so the fact that the buddha lived to be 80 years old is quite, quite extraordinary and that 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 has that allowed buddhism to really get established I think about other christianity christ was only around a little short time and then uh, emperor soka solidified the teachings and uh, spread them throughout the his world and now here in Perth Ontario we do these rituals together this is I think it's good to remember that we we're part of a we're part of a great culture we're not just a bunch of individuals working through our neuroses there's much more to it than that and buddhism is a, is a really exceptional um cultural vehicle certainly it has its in Thailand you see it has its beauty and it has its ugliness it has both the beauty of the gathering of the janchas monastery and the beauty of pindapod and then there's the things of corruption and superstition and sees but that'll always be the way in society but the thing about buddhism it's always it's always elevated its enlightened beings it's always made that the high the high point of its culture whether it's the iconography or, or the teachings it's always the elevation of the most exalted possibility of human consciousness enlightenment and certainly in Thailand you see that uh, the great teachers are 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 uh, held held in high esteem and praised and talked about and books published So part being being in Perth Ontario so 
like we say, like we're a little island of Buddhism, with being in Wat Bapalmi, you're in a sea of Buddhism. It's a whole different feeling to it. So when I go, like, in, I go, when I stay in Bangkok, I stay in a place called Dhammaram, which is a converted um, double terrace condo that some friends bought for the Sangha's use. And, the monks that come from abroad um, stay there and then move on to whatever monasteries they're going to live in or visit. And there I go alms around every morning and uh, leave at around 6.30. And it's right near Sukhumvit, which is a very, very busy street. So I walk along this uh, one avenue, 49th, Soy 49, and walk barefoot which is interesting in Bangkok. And uh, there's a, a, kind of a man who is a night watchman and he has a little sentry box right at the, right at the beginning of the terraced uh, condos. There's about 16 terraced condos. This is just a tiny little lane and a very, very dense part of Bangkok. All parts of Bangkok are perhaps dense. <laughs> um, so we go arms round and um, go along Sukhumvit and uh, the, the end, end of the Pindapa there's a, a little kind of 7-Eleven shop not, not, not posh like 7-Eleven but that kind of shop with every kind of thing you could imagine in it and there's a mother, a daughter and, her, and the grandmother they always come and offer alms food and uh, just delightful people just so happy to give this is such a such a uh, really, really nice feeling. And uh, they always give more than I can handle. So my, this sentry, um, the, the, the night watchman, he follows me, he also goes barefoot. And he's usually got a few shopping bags. So we start to fill up the shopping bags. And then we go back and always, uh, there's, a, there's a, a little shop that sells uh, Chinese noodles and I think it's a beef noodle kind of thing. And the same lady there every morning, I go by at 6.30, she's chopping up something and making the same kind of uh, whatever she makes. And then I come back and then she's got a whole package ready for me and she's just absolutely beaming. Mm-hmm. And you see she really works hard, and really hard-working people. And then I go get to the corner and then I go to the guy who sells the uh, soy, soy milk. He's got to have your soy milk, it's healthy. So he makes a plastic bag of soy milk and puts that in my bowl. And then other times people, sometimes a person might just happen to be going along Sukhumvit and they see me and they they want to give alms and uh, they don't have any food so they rush up to me with their money. I say, I'm sorry, we can't take money. And, but, uh, but you've made merit, it's okay. And then maybe they rush off to a store and try to buy something and uh, try to catch me. So it's a... Uh, it's just a half an hour, probably. Is it? Yeah, maybe 45 minutes, half an hour, but it's just, it's a whole different realm of, of Thailand. And Sukhumvit's full of cars already early in the morning and people going to work. And that's culture. You know, it's, that's, that's, uh, it's, a, it's a cultural thing that has been, it has developed in Thailand and it's a really beautiful part of Thai culture very simple, it's not the people don't like 
people who give, they don't expect anything. Not even a word. Just go silently, they put food in your bowl. I always, I have to say something, I can't be quiet. So, uh, I say thank you and so on. Um, so that, that, uh, that Pinapah tradition, unfortunately, we haven't been able to evolve that here. Hopefully we will eventually. Um, but, the, and then going to the uh, meetings at Wapapol, the, just the power of those meetings, 30,000 people, 1,200 monks on that day, penultimate day or the ultimate day, circumambulating the stupa, sea of white, sea of lay people. And you get the feeling of the, 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 the idea of the, the wheel, the wheel of Dharma just rolling and being unstoppable. You get, really feel, you get that feeling with, with that gathering at Wapapol. It's the strength of a tradition and, and the culture which carries that tradition. You think about it, if we didn't have, if we didn't have the culture of Buddhism which is carried through through Sri Lanka, through Burma, through Thailand, uh, through Cambodia, uh, through China and Japan and Korea and other countries, um, we wouldn't have a tenth of the meditation that exists now in North America. And uh, probably be, probably be dominantly yoga, I suppose. Yoga-based would be good. But if we were a group, we'd probably, you know, we'd kind of sit together, have a chat, and drink, drink tea and have cookies. <laughs> that would be the extent of our cultural format. But here we have, you know, we have this, uh, this, this interesting relationship of monastics to the laity, which is very non-Western very non-Western, very hierarchical. Um, which, if you do it well, it, 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 is a, it is a vehicle for both of us, both laity and monastics, because it carries us in ways which are beyond personality. So it's not, it's not an invention of Viradhamma or Tansuvijana. Uh, it's not a kind of personality thing. It's not... It is what it is, and so we try to we try to use it, but it's always something that's actually adapting and very um, dynamic. So the like say the translated chanting that we do now, the English and Pali, well that's a English and Pali is obviously a recent thing, but in Thailand English and Thai is a recent thing. It comes from Lampaputta who. I understand brought it into Thailand, which is the last 50 years, really. So, things that, you know, I think have always been this way, have always been this way, so it's a very dynamic thing. And the dyna- dynamism of us is how do, we, how do we interpret Buddhist teachings now for our own liberation? Because the, the point of the culture is not in, an end in itself, but it is a vehicle or a method for practicing together and, and uh, then individually taking responsibility for our own minds and realizing uh, freedom from suffering. So the point of the vehicle is not an end in itself, it's a method. It's, uh, that idea is good, a vehicle. Call it Hinayana, Mahayana, whatever you want. Uh, and a vehicle is like that, it's like, it's like we have this, you have the eight precepts, we have our Vinaya precepts, uh, we have the way that we, the kind of aloofness of the bhikkhu sangha to the laity, um, 
kind of deference to seniority, all these different things are, are uh, they're not necessary, but if done well, they bring a lot of mindfulness, they bring a lot of beauty. If done poorly, they can be used as, uh, on the Sangha side, as kind of egotistical, I'm better than you guys, that kind of thing. Or, or from the lay side, just resisting it and saying, oh, it's hierarchical, it's male chauvinist, and you can get all that kind of language going too. So, again, it's a, it's, it's, it's a form or a structure or a vehicle that needs to be used skillfully. It's not ultimately right or wrong. And that's what we're always trying to do. We're trying to figure out how do you, how do, you do this in Perth, Ontario? How do, you, how do we live as a, as, a, as a community of lay people and monastics in a way which is meaningful? So I certainly feel uh, rather amazed, actually. Things are happening the way they're happening here. Who would have thought? Um, so, so the Western approach to Buddhism is quite often very individual, very much my personality, my trip, my stuff. Um, and the whole idea of personalities important in in Western culture, in Western psychology certainly, in Western art from I guess from the Renaissance when art became went away from religious art to individuals signing their works. Um, so individuality, very strong cultural thing in, in Western thought and Western ideas, psychotherapy, my, uh, my relationship with my parents. Um, so you had, probably not so popular now, but you know the kind of tendency to really analyze one's own personal history and, and dwell on one's own personal history. A very strong, strong tendency. Um, so, as Westerners in in a in a in a, in a Buddhist practice, we have. Uh, our kind of cultural conditioning, which we bring to these uh, these ideas that the Buddha has, and of course the Thai person or Burmese person has their cultural conditioning within a, in a Buddhist milieu. But the idea of personality is obviously something that um, plays a big part in our in our art. Charisma, charisma is very very important um, through entertainment and media and uh, the way people portray themselves. So a president of the United States has to be very charismatic now. Wise, I, th- I don't think, matters. Charisma seems to, really it does seem to matter more, doesn't it? Television image rather than uh, wisdom and compassion. Not that they're mutually exclusive. I think with Ajahn Chah, we saw, we saw that there was a chance, you know, the person can be very charismatic and wise and compassion. But the charisma is secondary. That's a personality trait. Primary would be really wisdom and compassion. And one of the ways I, I, I kind of think of, of personality, I, I kind of think of it, the language that we want is very individual. But say for me, and just for the space, you know, sake of describing something, personality is something that is um, formed through culture, family, and circumstance. So... Uh, my and maybe maybe genes and maybe past lives I don't know but 
So it's a kind of form thing that that is um, created, and, and one lives as a personality, one's moods, one's tastes, one's the way one maybe reacts, one's uh, aesthetic preferences, uh, da 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 are, are sort of the way the personality manifests. Um, and that that is usually a mixture of good and bad, isn't it? A mixture of skillful, unskillful, a mixture of wholesome and unwholesome. So, say someone who has really had a, a, a moral upbringing and parents have been really, really quite kind, loving, has a huge effect on the personality. There's another person who has had a very uh, abusive upbringing, huge effect on personality. Someone who's suffered the trauma of war, the personality is totally altered, PTSD, um, in a very awful, awful way. So personality, just for the sake of using that word in that way, for me, like, it kind of manifests through, through the way I interpret life. So certain habits of mood uh, come into consciousness and then I find myself speaking, if I'm not mindful, just kind of drifting into those personality traits. And that was a quote. It's especially true when one begins meditation, begins to train the mind. And I know for myself, personality traits I had quite easy. The mind could sink very, very easily into depressed states of mind or anxious states of mind. And and then the the way I interpreted life and looked at life and perceived life was through those moods. And so that was my personality. That's who I was in a kind of the way. I'd manifested or displayed myself and of course that a lot of that was all they're also very good things and so I had a very, very moral upbringing and my parents were really hard working so there are those kind of traits also that came that came through but in that in all of that there wasn't very much freedom there wasn't very much freedom it was most mostly quite um, They were very conditioned, rather than reflected. Not that I was not a reflective person. So the, the, the Buddhist idea of, of what I like about the kind of, as opposed to personality, I like the idea of, of character. So when I, when I think of the wholesome aspects of our lives, which Buddhists encouraging us to, to, to develop, I think of that as character. You might use the word character exactly the opposite, but just for the sake of this talk. So character for me would be the, the development of the paramitas. Yeah. So, um, like just the, the ability to be, um, to develop patience around um, some tendency of mind to just be very uh, um, reactive to something, maybe very reactive in an angry and, and uh, inconsiderate way, that that tendency to be reactive and angry or averse, they're coming out very very quickly. That would be, I say, a personality trait, which would have been conditioned from the circumstances of family and culture, school, and whatever happened. And those 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 conditions can be, you know, one little thing can really twist a kid's mind sometimes in funny ways. But then the development of patience around a personality trait would be something quite 
deliberate, quite intentional, done from a, a sense of right understanding, uh, directed by right thought, right intention. So it would be quite, quite a, a deliberate, meditative, contemplative cultivation of character. So I, I you know, begin to reflect on personality, which we all have done for quite a bit of time already. But you know, when we first started this journey, our personalities were just sort of manifest in ways which were um, maybe not out of control, but certainly not with much reflection, at least for me. And then we begin to notice that. You know, that's, that's just personality that just comes when the buttons are pressed. And we, I'll work on that. I'll work on that. And, and what the work is then, awakening to that, and not, not just being the victim of, of our personality traits, choosing, making choices to go a certain direction. And, and uh, the Paramitas are quite, I think, very profound in that way, when you think of them that way. That is the, the capacity to be patient with right speech, or to be patient with wrong speech, actually. To, to, to not just blurt out the first um, annoying thing that comes into my mind and to just be patient and then to try to say something from a considered angle from time and place from appropriate context from empathy towards the person I'm communicating with oh that's very skillful that's very skillful and yet the mood the mood might be one of just wanting to blurt out and, and one would suffer that, you know, one just blurts something out and then if one's sincere in the path, they go, that was really, uh, it was not necessary, unkind. And so there's a kind of training in, in character, isn't there? And it's not, to, it's not so much to become a, a, a good person, but the training in character, I think, leads to the freedom from personality. Not that... Not that personality, we're all going to manifest as different personalities, it's just the nature of it. But the freedom within personality traits, where we can, we can manifest in ways which are um, skillful rather than just um, reactive. Skillful and considered rather than just impulsive uh, and, and kind of Pavlovian in our responses. And that's beautiful, isn't it? That's a beautiful work. So we we uh, we emphasize the awakened mind, and we also like Lopal Sumedha was quite quite. I like the way he says, "Don't don't make a problem around your personality. Don't get don't get just so hung up around your personality. You always have to change everything, but it's more not not so much to change things, but not to be victimized by them." And there's a difference. If I, if I try to be someone who never feels grumpy or never feels judgmental or never feels critical or never feels fearful or never feels lustful or all of that, then that's just a kind of um, inner tyranny. A, a uh, it's still bound up with wanting a different kind of a personality than the present kind of personality. But the development of person uh, of paramitas is not development of ego. It's a development of the types of mindsets which free you from reactivity, the types of mindsets which 
prevent, which allow you to see how the sense of self arises, ego arises through mood. So patience, compassion, uh, wise reflection, determination, honesty, truthfulness. These kinds of things are not, they're not ego factors. It's not like um, truthfulness, say, just like being really honest about why I'm reacting the way I am or why I'm thinking the way I am rather than blaming myself or other. Just a, honesty is like, wow, this is a very um, divisive state of mind or this is a very cruel state of mind or this is a very lustful state of mind. That's a kind of honesty and awakening to the way things are. Uh, whereas the dishonest mind always projects outwards and blames oneself, blame yourself or blame others. It's a kind of lack of honesty, lack of, of clarity, lack of seeing clearly. Well, life is just this way now. So the beauty of this is that we're not trying to develop a, pers- uh, a perfect personality, but I think in the end we're just not believing in it. That's different. It's not believing in it anymore. And this is one of the things that always strikes me about Lopal Sumedho now, when I go see him, and he says this again and again, he says, I do not believe in my personality. It's just a bunch of lies. <laughs> so it doesn't mean that you know these things don't arise. It's just like you know you get a mood coming into your mind, and and the the drift of personality and to pick up that mood, create a sense of self and others, and run with it, or be driven by it, or get victimized by it. But the kind of awakening to that, mine, it's uncertain. That's wisdom, isn't it? That's discernment. And 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 mine or uncertainty is also a kind of. You could you could see it also. It's, it's like an attitude. I'm not going there. Don't go there. And this what happens with our, with the personality conditionings that we have, which are partially cultural, partially familial, and so on. They 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 uh, they they have they have a kind of karmic momentum, don't they? They have a kind of a life of their own. And so you're speaking with someone, and all of a sudden a mood comes into mind. A mood of mistrust or annoyance or, or infatuation or whatever and then from that mood which is nothing wrong with that mood if we're heedless then we just sort of get drawn into it and a sense of self gets born and that's just the whole habit of birth of rebirth again and again and again but the whole teaching that Mopacha gives us and the Buddha gives us of anicca or uncertainty is don't go there don't create a self around anything don't go there let the context, uh, let the context speak for itself. Let the spontaneity of, of 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 openness, let that speak for itself. The development of of empathy is not an ego development. To think about it, compassion, uh, uh, empathy, empathy of joy for for for, for the goodness of people, um, uh, goodwill. These aren't ego personality things, are they? They're they're just sort of your wholesome factors of 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 of, of non separateness. Ego is quite often alienation, separation, like fear or jealousy or mistrust or anxiety or or um, judging all the time. These are very alienating energies, and so uh, you, you see that the the cultivation of metta is not. I'm becoming someone who is just loving all the time. That's an ego statement, but just the very sense of connectedness, connectedness to others is empathy, oh. and that's an opening to uh, to the other, and that's not ego. It's the end of ego. 
um, equanimity, you know, it's just the capacity to be with the ups and downs of your practice, of, of, of your, you know, your body's uh, physical you know, sufferings or your, you know, your emotional stuff that you face, or, or this is like so seeming successes and failures in your meditation. Uh, a kind of equanimity mind is not an ego mind, is it? It's not like, oh gosh, I'm not getting anywhere in my meditation. That's ego mind. Or, wow, I really scored today. That's ego mind. Whereas equanimity just knows, yeah, this felt pleasant or this felt unpleasant. Failure felt this way. Success feels that way. It's equanimity. It's not an ego thing. Self-disparagement is ego. Strong, strong thoughts of, of self-criticism, that's ego. And you, so you don't compound that with more ego saying, I shouldn't be self-disparaging. <laughs> you don't compound it that way. You just know, oh, self-disparagement feels uncomfortable. It's a mood in the mind. That's moving towards upeka. So my ne uncertainty, is moving towards upeka, equanimity. The awakening to the way things are is moving towards peacefulness, equanimity, non-attachment, non-grasping. So, so the, 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 the beauty, I, I think, of this particular way is, is you don't have to become a, a different kind of person. You're actually liberated from that whole personality hang-up. And these paramitas are, are become the kind of foundation for that kind of clarity of presence. And, 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 and making those conscious is good. Making conscious that, that you know, like if you're really feeling alienated from someone, just saying, oh, you know, know the mood of alienation and say, well, I wonder where they're at now. I wonder how they're doing. Some sense of empathy, a kind of kind of opening in the midst of a mood. That's very powerful. You know, when a mood which comes into consciousness and you've been so victimized in the past, and then you just wake up to it. That's just a mood. But what's really going on now? What's happening? That's my perception. What's going on now? So, my net, it's uncertain. And you don't run with it. You don't, you don't, you don't get victimized by it. It's not a rejection of the mood. It's just, no, it's just, that's the way personality manifests. And so what you get, you still get, you get individual manifestation of character. So, each of us has a different way of laughing, each of us cracks jokes in a different way, and uh, some of us like intellectual activity, some of us don't, and so these are just different f- formats that we kind of are working through. But something like awareness is universal, patience is universal, empathy is universal. Right? These are these are universal factors which are um, part of the method. Part of the method. So, the, we don't. The the goal of Buddhism is not to become a great person, but the manifestation of a person uh, is of of wholesome type of person is is a kind of method, isn't it? Patience is a method. So even if I feel. Um, frustrated by someone. And I can know the frustration and say, I'm going to be patient here. That's a huge practice. It's not denying the frustration, 
but saying, well, do I really, really want to get reborn into that again, into that cycle of self and other? Or will I just watch this now, watch this manifestation of personality? So you begin to see personality as an object rather than being who you really are. You see how personality requires thought. You know, if you have a mood, what, what fuels that sense of personality requires thought? You have to think about it, you have to think through that particular mode of perception. And, and we can see how you're just running with those thoughts just creates havoc. It's not worth it. And you begin to just know personality as a mood of mind, just as a, as a color, as a weather. And, and you make a choice, uncertain, not necessary, don't have to go there. Um, and that, that sense of being able to, to make choices, right intention, uh, is a beautiful kind of freedom beautiful kind of freedom which doesn't deny you know, our karmic inheritance but it's not the victim to it the, the, certainly the tendency I had as a coming through my culture was to kind of always go back into history and psychoanalyze why I am the way I am that kind of uh, self-thinking and I, I didn't really believe in that much fortunately I think because whatever, whatever the reasons for the present moment, they are the way they are. And, and so the Buddhist teaching is not so much self-analysis as analysis of conditions in the present moment. And so the Buddha breaks down the, the personality into things like the khandhas, or the, um, the six elements, earth, water, fire, air, consciousness, space, the five khandhas, uh, the ayatanas, sense bases, you know, he kind of breaks down that whole sense of me being the solidified self with all my personal histories and all that. It's just that, that's, personal history, it's just a memory. It's just perception, that's all it is. And, and it can be known. It can be known as an object. That's very liberating. I got a sense of a, like a solid person through time. Like if you've ever talked with a brother or a sibling or someone your family of what happened when you were like 30 years ago. Whoops, is anyone under 30? <laughs> okay, 20 years ago. I talked to my brother about 40 years ago, 50 years ago. It's a different world. You know, we had the same... We were in the same house at that time. <laughs> and yet it was the same experience, and yet it wasn't the same experience. Sense of personal history and and personal identity, these are just these are just constructs. They're real in a sense, sure, but they are just constructs and they can be known. You can know it. You can know that as an object. So any personal identity that I was this way or I am that way or whatever is an object of mind. And you just know it as that. And that that's really where the freedom is to know the khandas as just the khandas, to know ayatana as just as ayatana. To know the sense basis is just sense basis. So it could seem like like the development, the bhavana, the ideas of bhavana in Buddhism seem like you have to get something, but it's not. It's just that these are the factors that allow you to play, you, to be very, very present. Patience allows you to be very, very patient, uh, to be present. Determination allows you to be present. Uh, discernment allows you to be present. 
So when you when when the personality traits start to create a really strong sense of self and other, it's all lies. Don't believe it. Don't go there. Just don't go there. Strong sense of me being great or not great. Don't believe it. It's just my name, uncertain. My name, uncertain. Strong definition of others being a certain way. Don't believe it. This person is that way. They are really, really that way. Because if I define you as being that, that way, then I'd also define myself. That's a creation. And I, when I say you are definitely such and such and such and such, then I'm, I'm creating myself as the definer of that, the judge of that. But the teachings on uncertainty as well. well wait and see. Let the moment unfold and let, let your response come from the moment self-definitions that we have. See, these are all just thoughts, just thoughts in the mind. On a worldly level, certainly this, you know, if, if, like, if you were to say to me, Viridomo can drive a tractor just as well as Marcello or Nathan, that would be untrue. Not true. It's true, Marcello is a better driver of tractors than Viridomo and Nathan as well. Or if you could say that I can out-wrestle, I can arm-wrestle Nathan to the floor, this would be very untrue. <laughs> but those are just conventional things. There's no self in that. But what we're looking at is the whole sense of I, the whole sense of self, it's just an object. It's just an it's, it's not. It's not who you really are. Your real home is awareness. And so awareness knows the personality view coming out, Sikhaiditi. And it arises in these, these very neurotic ways oftentimes. Alienation and, 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 and strong judgment and uh, mistrust and all you know, kinds of ways it manifests. Very unfortunate and painful ways. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. So you come back to... to, to uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting how the reflection on certainty is the only certain thing you have. And the, the reflection on uncertainty brings you to security. You'd think that the reflection on uncertainty would, would lead to strong feelings of insecurity. If you took it wrong, it would. You'd think, well, everything changes. My God, I better get my bank account squared away and get lots of tuna fish in the basement because the world's coming to an end. That's not the idea of uh, anicca. It's not... The idea of Anichang is saying that the world, all conditions are insecure. Don't seek security in that which is insecure. Find security in awareness of change. And then you respond to things the best you can, in the best way possible. So the winter retreat is, is kind of seems to be going well. Very grateful that, that you're all diligently... Uh, practicing and, and supporting the Sangha. Um, so it's, a, it's a rare opportunity, so we're, we're not quite halfway through. But do keep keep um, reinvigorating your intention. This is what Aditana Barami is about. You you make a determination to practice in a certain way, and then, and then that determination quite often becomes less vigorous, you know, you start to get distracted, and then just redetermine again. 
make the aditana. No, no, this is a very special time. Who knows? Maybe next year we'll all be dead. You never know. And really make that, make that, um, make that determination really, really strong. And aditana is that way. You have to redetermine all the time. You know, what, what is the point of this life? What if, um, for us monks, you know, these people work hard to feed us. What is, what is my duty? How do I, how do I earn this, 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 this lovely generosity? And then hopefully with the lay people too, you know, this, this is a, when am I going to again get a time like this to do this prime practice? This is a good reflection, good reflection. All right, we'll leave that for your reflection. Nandamayantamagadaya sadhu karangadamase sadhu